Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan the Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about working in the wonderful world of entertainment. And to discuss this topic, I have brought in Lindsay Isler, who is going to walk us through her career story on how she got into the entertainment industry and the career risks she took in order to get to where she is today. A little bit about Lindsay. She currently leads marketing strategy at CBS as a brand director and has extensive entertainment marketing, creative, and brand management experience from previous working at Sony Pictures, 20th Century Fox, and Lionsgate. Lindsay also has a passion for mentoring and coaching aspiring entertainment marketing students and job seekers as they navigate their careers and enjoys empowering people to build relationships authentically. Now let's get into my discussion with Lindsay on taking career risks in order to excel in the entertainment industry. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. So I got a few words to start off our conversation. COVID-19, entertainment industry, March 2020, shutdown. What was the reaction when you found out that a lot of the theaters out there or the entertainment industry in general had to shut down because of COVID? It was a very big shock and really scary for me at the time because I was working at OMD And my client was Sony Pictures and I oversaw strategy for 72 territories for theatrical internationally. So it was definitely really scary to hear. And then there was just this domino effect that happened of tons of people getting laid off. It was like every day, multiple people that I knew were getting laid off. So it was really tough to see. And it definitely played a really big role over the past year in people's lives in terms of losing their jobs and having to figure out alternative plans. And what was the atmosphere at OMD when the announcement of the shutdown happened? Were people stressed? Were people afraid of their jobs? Well, it was more along the lines of the atmosphere at Sony. I can say that like on the OMD side of things, there was definitely concern we were more in a contract with Sony. So I don't think that it was an immediate thing where people were worried about it, but as things got gradually worse and we started to see other people getting laid off, it came into question what the future was going to be as an overall industry, not necessarily our jobs per se. So how has this year been like from March, 2020 to now as in the States, especially A lot of theaters are starting to open up now. Uh, A lot of the movies that got delayed uh, or went to streaming, they are now going to be released in theaters. So things are recovering now for the entertainment side. So what's the outlook now in your perspective, as well as like your colleagues and the company you're currently working at? So overall, the outlook is great. We have started our productions back up a while ago, even though we had to adhere to certain COVID protocols, but those are relaxing. So I would say it is going back to much more normalcy. I work in TV right now, but at the time working at theatrical, that really stunted a lot of the movies that I was working on because they weren't being shot even in the States necessarily. So it was a really big deal, but the job outlook is looking really great. So I'm extremely optimistic. And last weekend I saw In the Heights in theaters. So I do think that there is going to be an appetite, but at the same time, I question how consumer habits have changed 
with the shifting towards streaming. And now that the windows are shrinking between when something's in theaters and when it's in streaming, that's definitely a big challenge on the theatrical side of things. So when we talked offline, uh, you told me that you've, in terms of building up your career in entertainment, that you've had to face a lot of obstacles and COVID is just one of these obstacles. Uh, I know that from what we discussed that getting into the entertainment industry when you graduated was also tough for you. Uh, so can you share with our audience uh, what you had to go through to get your first a role in the entertainment industry? Yeah. So when I graduated college, I knew that I wanted to go into entertainment in some form, but there's a lot of different ways you can go into entertainment. And I knew that I would have to start somewhere probably as an assistant or coordinator. So I applied to so many roles. I can tell you if I did it the right way, because it definitely was probably quantity over quality at the time because I was just applying to so many jobs, like at least 20 a day, whether it was at an agency for the talent or on the publicity side of things or at a studio. I was just really diversifying these different companies that I would apply for. And I applied for four months, like really hardcore. And I got some interviews here and there, but I really got discouraged because I wasn't able to land any opportunities because I didn't have any internship experience in entertainment, which a lot of my competition had. So when I was in college, I was studying political science. So the internship that I had under my belt was my senior year. I worked for a congresswoman in Oakland. So it was a lot different in that respect. But I kept at it and I stayed as positive as I could and resilient, even though I was at the point where I was ready to take an unpaid internship because I didn't think I was going to land a paid job full time. But I got a really interesting opportunity for one of the roles I applied to, which ended up being a graphics company that was contracted by Lionsgate to do all of their printing for home entertainment releases. So I got a role there. And then long story short, went to interview over there, was really sketched out because it was in a warehouse. And I even called my dad and I said, I don't know about this. This looks really sketchy. And I've never heard of this company. And he encouraged me, just go ahead and go in there and do it. Don't judge a book by its cover. You never know. And I interviewed with the CEO of that company. And he proceeded to tell me that they needed somebody to sit at Lionsgate as an administrative assistant to handle all of the billing because there were so many purchase orders and invoicing that needed to be done. So I ended up getting that role and I sat at Lionsgate as technically an administrative assistant working in the creative services department. And even though I started on just doing billing, I expanded my role quite a bit the years that I was there especially because I got my feet wet in creative advertising, seeing all the different pieces that go into a marketing campaign. And then I eventually went over to the brand management side and worked on some fun projects there in the streaming space and in the content space. And I stayed at Lionsgate for over six years and it was my first job out of college. So it was a good experience overall. And I got a lot of great opportunities while I was there. So what's your advice for someone that is a fresh grad or is going to be a fresh grad trying to get into like any industry such as entertainment in terms of getting in the door of a corporate role? Because the main uh, issue that a lot of 
college students, like recent grads have is that they don't have a lot of experience and some don't even have internships. So what is your advice in terms of getting your foot in the door in your target industry to start building up that experience? So what I tell people about this is to do what I didn't do, which is dig your well before you're thirsty and take advantage of being a student and get yourself out there and start building relationships and planting seeds everywhere you can at these companies that you're interested in and really try to maintain these relationships as best you can, whether or not they pan out into something in the short term. It's really about the long term and focusing in on what you want by talking to people that have been there before. There's a lot of different ways you can get into entertainment. I always encourage people to look at all of the different avenues. So for example, there's a creative agency, there's an advertising agency, there's a media agency route. So a lot of folks will get their feet wet at an agency and they'll find an entertainment account and they'll service that entertainment account, which is a little bit different than being on the client side of things. But that is a different way and a way that a lot of people use to get into the entertainment industry. And then other than that, just exploring if you want to be at a studio or do you want to be at a streaming company and really understanding why. So a lot of people tell me, come to me asking me advice all the time about wanting to break into the entertainment industry and it's their dream job and they want to go in entertainment. And how do you get there? I always ask them, why? Why do you want to work in entertainment? What is it about entertainment that excites you? And really being able to help people hone in on that why helps them to figure out all these different types of avenues that they could possibly go in, in other ways that they could be satisfied. So what was your why into wanting to build a career in entertainment? So I would say my why started with marketing before it started with entertainment, but they kind of came together in an interesting way that was not expected. The marketing side for me was ever since I was a kid, I was fascinated by commercials, fascinated by billboards, any sort of ad. I just felt like I analyzed it a lot and it just really appealed to me. And even when I was really young, about six years old, seven years old, I started making my own commercials for fake products I made up. So I was always really into this idea of advertising and marketing and products. Where the entertainment side kicked in was when I was about 18 years old, I went to a red carpet event for a movie and I was on the sidelines more as a fan, but I saw the red carpet and thought it was really interesting, all the people on it and what they were doing. Some people were interviewing the stars on the carpet. Some people were taking photos. And I got really curious about it. And long story short, I went home that day and did a ton of research and figured out the world of publicity and outlets and press passes. And I figured out how to create my own website and company so that I could obtain press passes to go to red carpet events and award shows. So I did that for a little bit. And then that dovetailed into a radio program where I would find bands on MySpace, which was big at the time, believe it or not. And I would bring them on my show and interview them. So I was really interested on the entertainment side of things in that way. Really the hustle and bustle was fun, but I loved the glamorous part of it as well. 
when I was a lot younger. It's definitely not as glamorous as people think when you get into the corporate world. But that was initially one thing that I was really interested in doing. And now my why is that content like films and movies helps people escape from their mundane lives or their problems and transports them into a whole other world. And I love how much passion is behind every project, every TV show, every film that you see. And all of these people, these crews that are on set, the writers, the editors, the actors, and all this passion that just comes together in order to create this beautiful project that can touch so many lives for these audiences that watch them. And you've spoken to a lot of professionals that want to pivot into the entertainment industry, right? So what are some bad reasons of why they want to go into the entertainment industry? It's a really good question. I would say, I wouldn't call them bad reasons. I would just say that they're maybe misguided is that I alluded to this earlier, but it's not really as glamorous as people think it is. Of course, it depends on the role that you're in and and the job and all that. But if you're going to go into the entertainment industry because you think you're going to work with celebrities, I don't think that's a great reason. And I think that there is this conception that it is very glamorous and that is what it's like. Because a lot of times when people hear what I do, they ask me what celebrities I work with. And for the most part, like, of course, I've had celebrity interactions, but for the most part, I don't work with talent. The publicity leads that I work with work with talent. And there's different types of roles you can get into that are more specific if that's what you want. Like, I would say be a talent manager or work at a talent agency or work in publicity. But I would say that's part of one thing that I would consider not the best reason to go in entertainment. So what has been like your most memorable interaction with a celebrity? I was obsessed with Miley Cyrus when I was younger. And she was somebody who I loved her music. And I just thought she was such a cool person from what I had seen of her. Of course, not in person as a real person, but from the celebrity side of things, I really liked her. And I got to cover something called... FNMTV premieres, which was this event that MTV held over the summer many, many years ago. And she was performing one of those days and I got to meet her and that was a lot of fun. So that was a really memorable experience for me because she was somebody who I would say I was starstruck about, (laughs) but other than that, I've met a lot of different people. I've met Jim Carrey, I've met Jamie Foxx, I've met Anne Hathaway, I've met... Sean Penn, a lot of people from Superbad, like a lot of random people that I've seen at award shows and stuff like that. But the Miley Cyrus one was definitely the cream of the crop for me that I was the most excited about. I think the biggest lesson in this discussion is that you shouldn't do something for the end result. Like, for example, like I'm going to get the entertainment to work for celebrities or I want to start a podcast so I can be the next Joe Rogan. Like you have to actually enjoy doing the work and then the end result will come with it. But I think a lot of people focus too much on the end result without actually appreciating and working on the journey first. Do you think I'm uh, on the right track there? Yeah, I do think you're on the right track. And I think, you know, if you're really passionate about TV and, and movies, that's a good enough reason. That's one of the reasons I love working in television is because I'm a television junkie and a couch potato. So I consume a lot of that content. So it's really fun to be on the inside of that. 
what is your uh, go-to uh, Netflix binge right now? I'm not really binging as much on Netflix actually right now. I'm watching Handmaid's Tale. That's always been a favorite of mine. And I watch Good Doctor, which is network TV. That's a good one. And Good Girls, which is also, it's on Netflix, but it's like a network show. So I do like network shows, which is funny because I do work at CBS at a network. But Ted Lasso was amazing, which is on Apple TV+. Plus. I just started watching that and binged that. Other than that, I love re-watching shows. So my go-to is The Office. I've seen it like 20 times. I can quote every single line. But I always like watch shows again. Like I've watched How I Met Your Mother multiple times. I'm going to re-watch Friends again. There's just something about anticipating the moments you love that gets me. So you mentioned Friends. So I'm assuming you saw the Friends reunion show, right? A couple of weeks ago? I did. Actually, one of the EP, the executive producer that worked on that show is somebody that I work with on the Grammy Awards. Well, that's awesome. So with COVID, a lot of the big movies ended up being streamed and not actually released in theaters. And now I think a lot of movies are still going to be streamed, but also be released in theaters as well. So do you think that this is more like a short-term shift where they'll do movies in the theaters and stream for the time being, but then eventually we'll just stick to the theaters? Or like, where do you see the future of like new releases being uh, brought out? I think that we're never going to get the full theatrical share back. And I think that premiering movies on streaming at the same time is here to stay. I think it's something that Disney Plus is going to consider doing as well in the near future. And I know that HBO Max right now is doing that within the Heights. I think there'll at least be some certain movies where they'll continue to do that. Maybe not all of them, but if anything, all of the windowing between theatrical and releasing it in home entertainment or streaming is going to be shortened significantly. Yeah, that makes sense. It's all about adapting now, right? Because this is what experts are calling the new normal. So yeah, I definitely agree with where you believe that, how are we going to consume entertainment for now and the future? But I wanted to go back to your story. So you worked at Lionsgate for about between five to six years, and you got promoted a couple of times. So what is some advice in terms of how to move up and get promoted in the entertainment industry? Have the conversation. That's the first thing. Have the conversation with your boss and ask questions. I can tell you a few things that I did, but that's one of the main things is don't be afraid to put it out there. And I don't mean like on day one, you start working and you put it out there. But once you build that relationship with your boss and you feel comfortable, make it known that's what you want, first of all, because you have to ask for things in this world. Very rarely are things handed to you. So I pushed and asked and proved my value time and time and again for the promotions that I got. Nothing was handed to me. It was a fight to get them a lot of the time. For example, one of my recent promotions when I was at Lionsgate, when I was talking to my boss about it and I asked her, I could sense that there was going to be some pushback at the top, not from her, but her bosses. And so I asked her, hey, would it help if I put together a packet that shows comparable salary ranges from other industries in rules that are similar to mine? that would help you make the case that my salary should be adjusted. And she said, yeah, sure. And so I made that for her and I gave it to her. And part of the reason why it was so important is because, first of all, if you start an entertainment as an assistant, it's a low paying job. But the challenge then is also if you start at an entry level role at one company, 
it's very challenging to get your salary up if you stay a long time like I did. So the first raise that I got was 33%, which was a lot, probably not as much as you would think because the numbers were small. And I got a few other raises after that with promotions, but it was because I put myself out there and had the conversation and I asked them, Hey, I want to get to the next level. What is that? What does that look like? What are your expectations and what are the leadership's expectations to get into a role like that? What would I need to prove? What would I need to accomplish? And can we set forth a plan to help me get there? So that's a very important conversation that I think people need to have. And the other thing is you need to get comfortable talking about money because it's such an important part of your career. It's the reason we work. We work to make money. And one way that I recommend for people to do that is to make it a part of these relationship, like networking types of conversations where I'm not saying asking somebody how much they make, but for example, let's say that I'm a coordinator working at Fox and I talk to somebody who works at Warner Brothers and they're a coordinator or they're an assistant manager. I would say, Hey, I'm curious, can you share with me ballpark what the typical salary range is for an assistant manager at Warner Brothers? And then see if they share with you. Because I've gotten a lot of juicy comp information in my industry by doing that. So much that when I jumped almost $20,000 moving from Lionsgate to Fox, I never would have known how much I could have made and asked for if I didn't have those conversations. It's good you mentioned Fox because that's the next part of your career journey. So you were going to transition to Fox when Fox was acquired, right? So there was a lot of backlash from your current company at the time saying that you're not making a smart move because people at Fox are worried about the jobs because like they got acquired. So usually acquiring a company means that people might get let go at that company or there might be like reshuffling or reorgs, but you still took that opportunity. So can you walk me through like, how did you evaluate that this was still a good opportunity even with all that currently going on? Yeah, so when I was at Lionsgate, I spent the last few months, really like about six months before I left interviewing for other roles at other companies. And I wanted to get into an integrated marketing lead role, more so at a streaming company. And I interviewed for a bunch of things like that. Like, for example, I interviewed at Hulu. That didn't work out. And a lot of stuff didn't work out. And I knew how hard it was to get into a bigger studio because it just was very competitive at the time. So I did have that context where it wasn't like Fox wasn't the first try that I had. I had other experience before that. So that's one thing that was a part of it. And I had lost track of what my value was. And I felt like a very big fish in a small pond at Lionsgate and that I had outgrown it and I wanted to grow. So I interviewed at Fox for three different roles with three different teams before they hired me. And even the third time, I was still beat out by an internal candidate. What happened was about four months later, I got a call out of the blue from the recruiter. And she said, Mike wants to 
chat with you if you're still interested in the role. And Mike was somebody who I had interviewed. He was about the second out of nine people that I interviewed with at Fox. And I told the recruiter, yeah, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not coming back and interviewing. And then she said, well, I think that can probably be arranged. I can't make promises, but let's just put you on a call with Mike and see how it goes. So it worked out. They made me an offer. It was a great offer. It was similar in that it was in home entertainment, but it was much more of a global role where I worked with all of the international Fox offices to help them bring their marketing campaigns to life. And I got to work on some really fun IP in our catalog, like Alien and Home Alone and Die Hard and Sound of Music and all these really awesome, iconic movies. So it was an opportunity to work on bigger projects, higher budgets, expand my role internationally. And I looked at the opportunity and I thought I could make this work for me. And that's always how I look at opportunities. It's not necessarily taking an idea of what you want and then fitting something into that box. It's sometimes seeing an opportunity for what it is and figuring out how you can make that work for you. So I took the opportunity. I said yes. And when I gave notice, it caused quite a frenzy to the point where the president of home entertainment wouldn't even let me give notice until I thought about it overnight because he was so concerned about me making the decision to leave. And that was hard because I already said yes to them and I'm not the type of person that goes back on their word. So I felt like I was in a really weird position. And even my mentor, who's a good friend of mine, I talked to her about it and she said, her recommendation to me was pretty much like, you should have let us have the opportunity to give you a counteroffer. And I thought that was really interesting because I know that it's a really personal thing, but I'm not really big on counter offers for a number of reasons. Mainly that I felt like I was done with that experience at Lionsgate and I had outgrown it and I was already too far down the rabbit hole interviewing at other companies that it wouldn't have made sense for me to stay, even if they did a counter offer or anything like that. But I ended up going over to Fox and it was scary. And I underestimated how hard and scary it would be and how weird it was such a weird situation but we like you know it was such a great bonding experience with all the people I worked with with even my boss because I'll give you an example one week in to my job at Fox they had a resume workshop because it was so imminent the feeling that there were going to be layoffs there was no secret about it Fox had set up career workshops like that to help the employees, which I thought was really great, but it was a little bit daunting starting a role one week in and sitting next to my boss working on our resumes together. And that is literally what it was like the entire year I was there. We took it in stride. We laughed about it. We thought it was absolutely hilarious because I looked at him and I said, this is a once in a lifetime occurrence that is happening right now. So that's what it was like. And it was hard. So I took that year to really reflect on what I wanted my next move to be and interviewed in a tons of places, got a ton of rejections, couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. But 
I made the decision that no matter what, I'm not going back to a studio. I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go back into entertainment. I was really interested in breaking off into more of the tech space. But I then got the opportunity to go over to Sony Pictures, which is a studio, but it was a little bit different going into the media side. And they were looking for a director of strategy, which was a role that didn't exist at the time. So I had to come in there, create a role for myself in a whole new industry on the agency side where I had no experience and it was much more specialized compared to what I'm used to because I love being a generalist and having my hands in a lot of things and working on a lot of things. But this was very specific about audience research, knowing who the audience is, how we target them and how do we strategize where we're going to place our ads in order to reach those audiences. So it was very different than what I had experienced. But throughout my journey of applying, getting rejected, applying, getting rejected at all these different places, I noticed that a common occurrence was that I was getting beaten out by candidates that had agency experience. And I would always see on job postings, agency experience a plus or digital analytic experience a plus. So that was an indication to me that I had a gap in my skill set. And in order to get to one of these roles, that that gap would need to be filled. And this was an opportunity to do that. So even though it was hard and I knew it wasn't going to be my dream job, I took the opportunity just making the best of it and wanted to make it my own since it was a role that didn't exist. And I did that. And it was very intense. Besides COVID, it was just a very intense year because Even before I started the job at OMD, I got an email from my boss when I was traveling in Spain. I know traveling in Spain was obviously years ago. Can't imagine that now, but I got an email and he said, in three weeks, we're going to London to present to all of the territory heads. I would like you to present your strategy for the year. And that was one of those things where I was like, all right, I guess I'll just figure this out because I've never done this before and this is crazy. So long story short, I did that. It went well. I ended up going back to London within the next month for another project. So I had a great experience and it was definitely something that got me out of my comfort zone. It was extremely scary, but necessary. Yeah, it's good that you mentioned that because you found that there was a weakness in your experience, which is the lack of agency experience. So even though this agency role was not a dream job, you knew that you had to get that experience at least for the year in order for you to get to that next level in entertainment in-house. So what I want to ask is like, how did you know that you told me before that like offline, it wasn't going to be a very good environment. So did you consider other agencies or do you say, okay, I got this opportunity. I'm just going to take it. I just do it for the year and then see what happens. So, so what was your methodology with your career at that point? I was looking at other agencies because one thing that I was interested in was possibly getting exposure to different industries. So I looked at a creative agency and I was looking at other agencies. I didn't really end up interviewing at too many agencies, but I interviewed very much so at Tinder and was in a huge interview process with them, got all the way to the end, had to present to the chief marketing officer, presentation, whole shebang. And then 
neither me or the other candidate got the role because it turned out that that was kind of a blessing in disguise. They were going through a lot of like restructuring and reorgan changes in politics and stuff like that. But that just goes to show where my head was at. I was really open to different types of opportunities. And one of the reasons why I was open to working at a place like Tinder is because I was thinking, okay, this is an app. This is tech. This is subscriber acquisition. I can take subscriber acquisition experience, move that to streaming. So a lot of what I was trying to do was getting more over to like the entertainment streaming tech side so that I could be in more of a 360 marketing lead role. So what happened was during COVID towards the end of last year, CBS reached out to me for that type of role, which is what I'm in now because I had the agency experience. They actually told me multiple times when I was going through interviews, including at the beginning, that that was what interested them. They wanted me to bring that experience because they were kind of expanding their media footprint at CBS and doing things differently, especially because CBS is expanding into streaming and is very much in the ad-supported video on demand space, as well as Paramount Plus for the subscription side of things. So that was why they were interested in me. So what my hunch was about my skill gap was true. And that was what made me a much more attractive candidate in the end. The common theme I want to share with my audience in your career journey is that you took multiple risks in your career, going to Fox, going to an agency, even though it wasn't the best environment but you knew you had to do these things in order to get to where you are today. So what is some general advice or specific advice that you could uh, provide to uh, people listening to this episode in terms of taking calculated risks to further your career? A smooth sea never made for a skilled sailor. Taking risks and doing challenging things that scare you, put you out of your comfort zone and just make you feel like you have to rise to a challenge are important to have. Like those are the types of experiences where you have room to grow. So my advice is always to look for stretch opportunities where you feel like I'm not cut out for this, or I don't have this experience. I've never done this before because it's the hiring manager at the end of the day and the company that sees something in you and sees the potential and you got to just go with it and figure it out. And don't feel like you're alone. Always try to rely on the resources, the people, the tools that you have to figure it out. So I think like taking risks is a big thing. And the way that I've always navigated my career, and I don't know if this would work for everybody, but when most people are doing one thing or when most people would do one thing, I tend to do the opposite. I've applied this to my personal life as well recently because as an illustration, my husband and I bought a house during COVID. We put our offer in on our house the day Los Angeles shut down. Everyone thought we were crazy. No one thought we should do it because no one knew what was going to happen with the economy, with the housing market. And there's this saying that says when most people are fearful is when you should be greedy. And it was a similar sentiment where... I ask myself, like, what would most people do? And then I do the opposite. And that's how I've navigated my career so far. And you're a brand director now, right? At CBS? Yes. 
So have you done any hiring on your team? Yeah, I have. I've been on the hiring manager side of the table. Okay, so what do you uh, look for in a candidate when you do the interview process with these potential team members? The biggest thing that I look for is EQ, so emotional intelligence and really diving into how they work with people and how they adjust to different environments and how they adjust to different working styles because working at a place like CBS, and this is common with other entertainment places, there's a lot of different personalities to contend with. I work easily with 40 people just on one project alone. When I started at CBS in September, I had over 70 one-on-one interviews with all the different people that I work with on a day-to-day basis within a month and a half. So there's so many people that you have to know how to work with and you have to learn how to adjust to all these different styles. So that's one thing I look for. The other thing I look for is desire to learn and examples in their past where they've had to take on something new and learn something. So I look for times where maybe something was uncertain because there's been a change and they weren't expecting it and really learning about how they adapted to it and what did they learn in the process and what was their attitude towards that? Because I think being able to learn is extremely valuable and That is the key to landing a stretch role, because if you can show a hiring manager that you might, you've never, yeah, I've never done this role before, but here's another example where I had never done a role before. And I did this and this and this, and these were the results. So in my career path now, that one of my stories there is the OMD digital director of strategy role, because I had never done that before. I had never worked at an agency. That role didn't exist. Yet I figured it out. And that's the kind of thing that I look for. So when it comes to like interviewing, you're interviewing more for like like adaptability and like EQ. So like you have your standard like behavioral questions, but I'm assuming you also have like the expertise questions as well, right? Yeah, I'm not really so big on behavioral questions actually. I like to have a conversation as much as possible and get candidates comfortable so that they can really show what they've done. Cause I'm always looking for what was your role or what is your current role? What are your skills? How did, you know, what are your skills and your experience and how did that play out in that role? And then how would they play out in this role? And I want the candidates to feel that out and get me there and to fill those gaps in. And I'm very open with candidates. I want candidates to succeed. That's one thing too, that I want everyone to know who's interviewing. If you get an interview, the person interviewing wants to love you. They want you to succeed. They're taking time out of their day, out of their busy schedule, with all these meetings they have to put in yet another meeting to meet with you. So they want you to be the one. There's so much power in that once you understand that the people want you to be the one and they want it to work out because it's a very positive way of looking at it. And it's the truth. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because when I do career coaching and do interview prep with clients, like some of these companies actually give them like a PDF on how to do well in an interview. This is what we're going to ask you from a 
formatics perspective. Like we're gonna ask you these types of questions. Please use the star format. So they're giving you all these hints to do well in the interview. So it's not like a game of chess where you're trying to like outsmart the interviewer so you get the job. It's about like working together to see if there is a connection and a common ground that you two could really build up the team and to like help each other achieve each other's goals. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's really important. And that is really awesome that companies do that. I think it's like you said, it's not, it's not like a trickery thing. The way that I've always navigated my career from the candidate side, the hiring manager side, anything that I do is I'm very human and I'm very authentic and I'm not looking for perfection when I'm interviewing somebody. I think it's really important to understand that you're talking to a human and no one's perfect and people need to let go of these crazy qualifications that they expect out of people. These cookie cutter images of what you need in a candidate because some candidates can surprise you and they're not necessarily going to check every box. And I think that's really important to highlight as well. The common phrase or common practice is that you don't need 100% of what they're looking for in the job at, like just like maybe 60, 70. I'm just throwing that number out, but you don't need everything. You, you do need some things, but not everything. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah. And I think it, I think it could even be less if it's a stretch opportunity. And in terms of the entertainment industry, in terms of like things are recovering now, as we talked offline, there are tons of opportunities now, like a lot more openings than obviously during COVID. So is this a good time to get into the entertainment industry or should people wait it out a little bit longer? I've never seen so many jobs in the entertainment industry in my life, but the only caveat I would say is that most of what I see and repost and work through are on the marketing side of things like marketing media, because that's what I specialize in. But I think it's a really great time to get in. And the other thing that I would say is there's a lot of mentality that's kind of shifting in entertainment. I can see it at CBS more so than other places, but it's definitely a positive thing because it used to be years ago, you know, for example, when I started out, when I was middle in my career, that the only way you could get a job at a studio is to have five other jobs at five other studios. And you had to have that pure entertainment background. And even like if you leave entertainment and you go somewhere else, you can never get back. That's been a thing in the past, but I think that people are being hopefully are more open-minded about getting different opportunities into the door and getting different backgrounds. So the advice that I always give people that I work with is find what's unique about your background and what you can bring to the table that's going to offer a different perspective. Don't shy away that you don't have entertainment experience. Make it a positive by relating it to the business goals and the business pain of the hiring manager and really dig in with them to figure out what is keeping them up at night and why are they seriously needing this person to fill this role and show them that, hey, like you might have many people on your team that have entertainment experience. I don't have that, but I have e-commerce experience. I have customer acquisition experience and I can bring that to the table and offer a different perspective. So I think it depends on the mentality of the hiring manager, of course, and the company culture. 
But that's the advice that I always give people because it's your best way to have an edge if you're trying to break into the entertainment industry. That's some great advice, Lindsay. And I want to end this conversation off with a, a personal question for you. So the main point of this podcast is to help professionals overcome obstacles by interviewing various experts in their respective industries, them giving the audience some strategies to help overcome those obstacles. So whether it's personal or your professional life, what was one big obstacle that you had to overcome uh, in your life to get to where you are today? It's a good question. There's a lot. I mean, I think I, I spoke to some already about the career transitions. I would say the biggest obstacle in my career that I faced was going over to Fox and going into a space in my career where I didn't know what was next. And I think a lot of people come up against that in their career where maybe they're chugging along. And then one day they realize that they know they want to get to a certain point, but they're not sure how. And for me at Fox, when I felt like that, I kind of felt lost and that was really difficult. So I hired a career coach and shout out to Orlando. He was awesome. And he was a really big inspiration and big piece of helping me identify that gap in my skill set and that I needed to take on more of a stepping stone role to get to where I wanted to go. So I think the biggest takeaway is just looking for, looking for help and don't be afraid to invest in your career. Don't be afraid to take a step that might be out of your wheelhouse in order to find a solution and to keep moving again if you do feel like you're in a rut. Thanks for that. And again, I really appreciate you spending some time with us to talk about the career risk that you've done to get to where you are today and just giving my audience advice in terms of how to get into the entertainment industry. So how can people connect with you online to uh, learn more about you and the type of expertise that you can offer them? Follow me on LinkedIn, Lindsay Isler, Isler Insights. And you can follow my posts to get general information and advice about career stuff, job stuff. I'm offering career coaching services for people who are transitioning or wanting to break into the entertainment industry for the first time. I specialize in helping people identify their background and skills and what they can bring to the table and how they can translate that into an entertainment role. That's awesome. Again, thank you for the time and best wishes in your career coaching endeavors. Thank you. A smooth sea never made for a skilled sailor. Those are some great words to live by when it comes to taking career risks in order to accelerate your career trajectory. And Lindsay is a perfect example of this. She had to take significant risks in her career in order to get to where she is today. From having conversations about raising her salary and getting promotions to going to a company where there was a lot of uncertainty due to the fact that they were just recently acquired and taking a stretch opportunity, even though it wasn't the ideal place she wanted to be, she did it to get the experience she needed in order to get to the next level. When you're doing things that everybody else is doing, you're not going to stand out. You have to be uncomfortable in order to get the results you want. 
because a lot of people are not willing to make themselves uncomfortable in order to get what they want. As Lindsay has stated in our discussion, when people go one way, she goes the other. And by her constantly doing that, she has excelled in her career and in her personal life. For example, the house story that she mentioned in our discussion. So if there's one thing I want you to take away from this episode with Lindsay, is that you can't get to where you want unless you take some risks along the way. Again, this is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan. If you found this episode helpful, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your friends and family to help support the show. I post new episodes every Tuesday on all popular podcast platforms. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, where I post daily content on topics such as job search, career advice, and personal branding. That's it for me, and I'll see you next time. Yeah.